Hey everybody, this is going to be another little recording. Uh, driving back from, from Abingdon uh, to Greenville and finished my endorsement test on the beta test for the welding procedure specifications. A little bit harder than I thought. They removed the ability to do searches in a code book. So navigating through your code book on the electronic version is much more difficult than thumbing through pages by hand. So that kind of slowed things down. It took me longer to look for stuff than it did to actually read the stuff and figure out what the answer was. So that was kind of a kind of a pain, but it was fun. It was enjoyable. Uh, I'm grateful for AWS for putting out the the allowable uh, allowance to be able to take a beta test for sure. I've been, I've enjoyed them. But anyway, what this episode is about is things that I tell my welding students. Now these things are obviously. Uh, my opinion for the most part but they're things that I kind of keep in my head that have helped me and uh, you know I find them kind of useful some of them may just be completely out of the world who knows but I'll go through a couple of them they're going to be in no specific order uh, but I'll give you a little bit of background about how I teach welding that kind of stuff so like I mentioned in another podcast the first process that I teach anybody if I have the option if I've got the equipment and the time available is to show them how to TIG weld. Okay, now I don't necessarily teach them everything about the process, but my theory is this. TIG welding is as easy as it gets. Okay, now I know that we all like to have our golden arm syndrome and think that we're just the slickest, greatest welders because we can TIG weld a little something. But when it comes to melting two pieces of material together, it doesn't get much easier than this. Okay, uh, the fine motor control muscles that are used to hold the TIG torch are much more controllable than other muscle groups that are used for holding a MIG gun or shielded metal arc welding electrode holder stinger. The other thing is this, there's no sparks, there's no smoke, there's no weld spatter, the puddle's nice and quiet. So back in my day we started our welding class off with an oxyacetylene torch pushing a puddle. So the first thing that I essentially have my students do is push a puddle except we use a TIG torch. Now, one of the reasons that I don't do this as my entire first class is because managing tungsten and shielding gas with some dry rigs hooked up to a Dialark 250 and no remote control would be pretty, uh, pretty time consuming. But for an introduction to seeing an arc in a puddle and being able to weld something together your first day, maybe bring it home to your parents, you can't beat TIG welding. I've done it both with aluminum and with carbon steel and some, some with stainless. And what I do is I'll have my students practice a dry run with a TIG torch in their hand. Either a TIG torch is attached to a machine or I've got a few that were donated by Conley and Kleppen a couple years back and I can hand them out in the classroom, show them how to hold the torches, have them push the tungsten around on the top of the table. Or you can even put a ballpoint pen cartridge in some of them, and, or if it's the right ballpoint pen cartridge, let them write their name with it. That muscle dexterity, that manual dexterity that's there can be translated over to welding so easily. Put that, put that torch handle in your hands just like you would a pencil, rest your hand down on the table, move it around, you've got control of it. Now obviously with TIG welding, that's not all there is to it, but like I said, it's, it's a good chance for someone to see the puddle, not worry about the sparks and the fire, that even Probably, probably get scolded for this, but even for those students that show up that day with their uh, Crocs on, it's not a big deal for us to all gather around the table 
and run a few beads on some edge joints on some steel and I don't have to worry about no fire falling on nobody's feet. Now, I know they're probably bad teacher for letting students go into shop with Crocs, but they're, they're at the beginning of the semester. They're still figuring out what they got to do, and it's not a big deal. Okay, it's not like we're handling any metal or anything like that, but, but again, the safety police are always out. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, but anyway, so that's one of the advantages of using that process. But one of the things that I kind of stress, no matter what process it is, is get comfortable get as few muscles involved in the welding operation as you possibly can and still be able to make the weld. Now this would be a little bit easier to demonstrate with, with video and I've got some videos I think floating around somewhere. But with the TIG welding process I can use my wrist and forefinger so I've got a lot of control. With the MIG gun got to use a little bit more sometime or uh, use those muscles a little bit more to move that gun. It's a little bit heavier. But the fewer muscles that I can get involved with the welding process, the more control I have. And then I try to mention to them that there's a limitation. You know, if I could hold a MIG gun nozzle like I do a pencil, then I've got a lot of control, but I can't go very far, plus I'm going to burn my hand up. But, but stressing that to students, uh, to me, is important to let them know, get as few muscles involved. The other thing that I try to tell them is, get comfortable get as comfortable as you possibly can and if you have to be uncomfortable be uncomfortable at the beginning of your weld and weld to where you're more comfortable so as an example for the the TIG welding exercise that we do if, if any of you have done something like this before where you just lay your hand on the table and push a puddle or push a puddle add some filler metal if you if you reach back at the beginning of your weld where you're in a little bit of a bind and you weld to where, uh, you know, weld through that entire length to where you begin to get uncomfortable again, you can make a pretty long weld. But if you start off right exactly where you're really, really comfortable, you can only go so far before you get in a bind again. Now, this is in the context of something where we're resting on the table, we're resting our hand. You know, walking a cup, not a big deal. Uh, but I'm talking about in the context of freehanding with a TIG torch or holding a MIG gun or even holding a shield of metal arc welding electrode holder. If you're going to be comfortable or if you're going to be uncomfortable, make it at the beginning of the weld and not at the end of the weld. Uh, so that's another, another point I try to stress to my students. Uh, another one for me that I really have trouble with sometimes is getting the students to realize how important it is to see the puddle and not necessarily just the gun or just the nozzle. I want them to be able to see the puddle. I want them to see the puddle forming, see the puddle solidifying on the on the back trailing edge of it where you can watch that shape. Being able to get an eye on the puddle is very valuable. Now watching the arc and where the arc is going, that can be very important because you've got to track where you're at in the well. But as we get better and better at it, that becomes second nature. But that is one of the points that I try to stress to my students is get where you can see. Now with shielded metal arc welding, it's not that hard because you don't have that big gas nozzle uh, that's shielding the, the arc or the back edge of the puddle. Whereas with gas metal arc welding, gas tungsten arc welding, depending on your head position, the puddle could be hidden. hidden. So I, you know, I'll show them to bring their head down a little bit, get in front of the puddle, <clears throat> if they're pushing or behind the puddle, if they're dragging, and get where they can see both the arc where they're going with their weld and the trailing edge of the puddle. Now obviously in real life we don't always have that 
opportunity. But in a training scenario, we can focus on that and begin to build that muscle-mind-memory connection between our hands and what the weld is doing by being able to see what the weld is doing. Uh, and I sometimes use the analogy of, of throwing a baseball, for instance. You know, we can throw a baseball, probably most of us, we can throw a ball, and we don't have to put a lot of thinking into it because we've thrown it a few times. We can read the things that are going on around us, be it a person running or walking or where they're going to be in a few seconds, and we can throw the ball and it will meet them there because we've thrown the ball many times and we've responded to the various visual stimuli that surround us, and we can react to it without consciously thinking about it. So I use that that explanation for them. That's why they want to be able to see everything that's going on and begin to read the puddle. So there's, there's another little concept that I throw out there. I'm going to throw out one or two more. I try not to make this more than 10 minutes long. Uh, what was the other one that I had in my brain? The, the ability to get better at welding is based upon practice. So just like the, the baseball uh, idea that I was just expressing a minute ago, one of the things that I tell my students is, is you've got to get out there and practice. You've got to put time in. And the reason that's important is, is you can know all that there is to know about how you're supposed to weld, how you're supposed to hold the torch, how it's supposed to move, that what it looks like, so on and so forth. You may know all of those things in your mind, but just like you physically know how to throw a baseball, you know, I know how to turn my hips, bring my elbow back, bring my hand back, throw it forward. I know all of those things in my mind. But the minute I put that baseball in my left hand, now all of a sudden I'm uncoordinated. The reason that I'm uncoordinated is not because I don't know what to do. It's because my body has not physically learned how to do what my mind says it should do. And for me to get good at throwing a baseball with my left hand, I'm going to have to throw it a few thousand times. And I explained to them that that's the same thing with welding. you got to get out there, make some puddles, make some weld metal, that kind of stuff. And that's one of the reasons that the pad weld is one of my favorite exercises. Anyway, so that's kind of my 10 minutes, and I may have some more to add to this sometime in the future. But uh, I just want to throw it out there. There's many, many other things that I've told my students, but I want to just throw a few basics out there that, that I kind of try to cover at the beginning of the very first class. And then remind them as we go through the class, because you do have to remind them. And you need to think about it yourself if you're just now learning. Can you see? Are you comfortable? Can you get from point A to point B without getting in a bind? And that's the other. I'm going to go ahead and throw another minute in here. Uh, is doing the dry run. Trying to get from the beginning to the end and make sure you're going to be comfortable. Pretty easy with a MIG gun. Pretty easy with a TIG torch. A little bit harder with stick electrode because of the fact you've got to compensate for uh, the electrode burning off, so sometimes simulating that without actually having to weld is a little bit harder. But I'll show them. I'll show them kind of on the table what it looks like when the electrode's long. Here's where my hands are going to be. When I get to the end of the joint, the electrode's going to be short. What's going to happen here? And you know, oftentimes one of the things that can happen is is the the handle of the stinger or the cable itself bottoms out on the table and interferes with you some can't maintain the work angle, travel angle that you want to because of your hand position and the electrode handle position. But anyway, so that's another one is do that dry run. Alright, so that's 11 minutes, 12 minutes I've, I've got into. Y'all have a good day and, and I, I appreciate you listening to this. If you did, love to hear some feedback, but I don't know where I can get it on these little podcast things. Have a great day. Take care.